Welcome, everybody, and uh, welcome to River Glen. Great to see you here in Waukesha online and over in Pewaukee. Thanks for joining us for church. We're continuing this series called uh, Monsters Within. We're going through what historically the church has called the seven deadly uh, sins. But we said this is not about overwhelming anybody with guilt. We don't want anybody walking away feeling uh, de- defeated. Now, our, our goal is the opposite. We want to learn how to overcome uh, these temptations, these common temptations with God's help. These sins can be powerful and really get a hold of our lives, but we believe that God is more powerful and wants to help us live with greater joy and uh, freedom. And we've also said some of these deadly sins are especially difficult for us to see in our lives. A Christian author by the name of Bruce Larson tells a story about a time he and his family traveled for vacation. They went out, they went out west to a national park. And driving along just outside the park, he saw a sign that said, Naturist Park, three miles ahead. And Bruce turned to his wife and said, you know, the kids have been cooped up in the car all day. It might be good to burn off some energy, stretch out our legs. Maybe we can find a hiking trail. And she said, you know what? That sounds great. And so they started down the road toward this naturist camp. And about halfway there, they looked up and saw four or five bikers coming toward them. And the closer they got, it became painfully obvious that these bikers were not wearing any clothes. They were buck naked on their bicycles. And that's when Bruce writes, I realized in that moment, there's a difference between the word nature and naturist. Yeah, those, those words do not mean the same thing. And so uh, Bruce and his wife started to panic a little bit. They've got some little kids in the uh, back seat. And they're thinking, oh my goodness, Bruce decides he needs to turn around. But there was nowhere to turn off the road. And it was narrow. There was, there was nothing that they could uh, do. And Bruce said to his wife, let's just, let's just stay silent and hope the kids don't notice. And so they drove in silence. But as they passed these bikers, all of a sudden, Bruce's son yelled out from the back seat. He goes, Dad, did you see that? Dad said, yeah, son, I saw that. He said, Dad, none of those people were wearing helmets. <laughs> safety, safety, safety. Yeah, the kid was so little in the back seat, he was sitting so low that all he could see were their heads as they, they rode by. Thank you, Jesus, that all he could see were their uh, heads in the uh, window. The little boy had a limited perspective, and we have a limited perspective, too. Today, we're going to talk about the deadly sin of pride. It's also called arrogance, and sometimes in today's world, it's called narcissism. It's the same idea, but this one is especially difficult for us to see. Some, somebody called this the carbon monoxide of the deadly sins. It's hard to detect, but it's connected to all of the others. Here's a, a biblical definition of pride. Pride is the ultimate concentration on oneself. C.S. Lewis put it this way. It's the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on oneself. Somebody noted that the word pride, the middle letter, is the word I. And that's what pride tries to convince us, that I am the center of everything. I'm the center of my marriage. I'm the center of my relationships. I'm the center of my work. I'm the center of my money. I'm the center of my church. I'm the center of the world. I'm the center of everything. But there's one problem with that, because God is actually the center of everything. And pride displaces God from his rightful seat in the center of our lives. 
and in our heart. It, ele- it elevates me above everything, and so no longer is my life about God and what God wants and desires and needs. Now it's about me and what I desire and want and need. And pride can just wreak incredible havoc and destruction in our lives because God did not design us to be the center of everything. Here's what scripture says, that pride goes before destruction. I like how the message paraphrases this verse. It says, first pride, and then the crash. And we've seen people crash and fall all the time, don't we? Uh, We see somebody lose a job. They lose a future with their family. They lose the respect of other, other people. They lose their reputation. Sometimes we see this happen in a very public way. But here's what we don't often see. We don't often see what precedes the fall. And that's pride. An attitude of pride creeps into our heart that that says, I deserve it. I'm entitled. I can handle it. I don't need help. I'm above the rules. I'm up here and you're down there. And you don't realize how much pride harms you until it's too late. Well, today we're going to look at a story of a leader in the Bible um, who fell and crashed in a very public way. His name is Samson. I'm curious, how many of you have ever heard uh, the story about the Bible character, uh, Samson? Maybe growing up in in church, did you hear that in Sunday school, the story of Samson? Yeah, several of you. It's found in the Old Testament book of Judges, chapters 13 through 17, if you want to open up and follow along. Let me give you a little backstory on Samson, if you don't know his story. He's a very frustrating character because he had such great potential. God set him apart at birth. God sent a messenger to his parents, and uh, the messenger said, you'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And so God chooses Samson to lead the people of, of Israel to uh, freedom from their enemy, the Philistines. And God gives Samson some supernatural strength to carry out this important mission. Now, when we think of Samson, you know, we tend, we tend to think of somebody like this, right? You know, like a superhero, extraordinary uh, physique, or, you know, maybe somebody that gets mad and, you know, his, his, his muscles just, just uh, rip out. But it says when Samson showed strength in scripture that people were surprised, And people wanted to know the secret of his strength. But, you know, if he looked like that, there wouldn't be much secret to it. And so it's possible he looked just like one of us. And when God moved, he showed incredible, supernatural, extraordinary strength. I also want you to notice that it says that a a razor is not going to touch his head, no haircuts, because he's a Nazarite. He would take a Nazarite vow. Uh, This is not a vow for everybody. This is something God wanted Samson to do because he would lead the nation of Israel. And there were three commitments to the Nazarite vow. Number one, no haircuts. Number two, you would avoid any alcohol or uh, fruit of the vine. Number three, you don't touch a dead animal or carcass of any kind. And so Samson's got a really important mission from God uh, to carry out. But as some of you know, Samson is going to crash and fall. At the end of the story, there's a woman who's going to deceive him, and it's going to lead to his, help lead to his downfall. Anybody remember her name? Um, Samson and, oh yeah, Delilah, exactly. And sometimes uh, Delilah gets blamed, but we're going to see 
she's not the problem. The problem is Samson's pride. And we can learn uh, from Samson how to identify and deal with pride in our lives. But uh, first, I want to do a little exercise with you that uh, might be a little bit fun uh, for you, maybe a little bit risky uh, for me. Here's what I want to do. I want you to, uh, I want you to guess, okay, if, uh, how many steps it would take me to uh, fall off the front of, of the stage, okay? So I want you to come up with a number of steps, try to guess an exact number. Some of you are wondering, well, how big of a step are you going to take? Right? I'm going to take little steps, okay? I wear, you know, I wear size 11 shoes, if you're going to calculate. And I'm just going to take little steps uh, just like that, okay? So um, how many of you want to see me do this? Oh, okay. I'm a little hurt. Uh, I saw some hands there. You're basically saying, I don't care if our pastor falls off the stage. So I want you to get an exact number. I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to go for it, all right? I'm going to start right here. Okay, ready? All right, help me count. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, I'm okay. Didn't roll an ankle, didn't die. I'm here, and uh, I think, was that seven? Anybody, anybody guess it right? A few of you. Okay, very good. But here, here's the real question that I want you to think about, okay? Um, of, of those seven steps that I took, okay, if you had to pick one, which one of those seven steps led to my fall off the stage? You know, you, you, some of you might say the first step, right? Because that sent me in that direction. Others of you might say the last step because that's probably the most dramatic and uh, emotion, emotional one. Um, and if you think about it, when somebody falls in our culture, whether they fall to a substance or sexually, or financially, or relationally, or, or spiritually, typically the attention goes on the last step and then, the, and then the fall, right? People talk about the fall, but they don't talk about the pride that goes before the fall. But the truth is when we fall, when people crash, and all of us have fallen you know, at some time in our, in our life, here's the truth that we know. It was always a bunch of little steps that got us there. And so all seven of those steps contributed to my fall off the front of the stage. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you a few small steps that Samson took that led to a great fall so that we can avoid pride destroying our lives. All right, here's the first small step, and, and it is that we ignore advice. We see Samson do this in chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Samson went down to uh, Timnah, and he saw there a young Philistine woman. Timnah's like four or five miles from where Samson lives, but it's in Philistine territory. It's in enemy territory, and he goes there to find a, a, a woman. So when it says that he went to Timnah, I want you to understand, it's not just pointing out his geographical direction, it's pointing out his spiritual direction. In other words, he's, he's, he's going to do something that God would not want him to do. And this small step is going to set his life on a trajectory that he's never going to come back from. So Samson comes home from Timnah, and he tells his uh, parents about this Philistine woman. And look at how, look at how they respond. Uh, when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. It's pretty direct. And his father and mother replied, Look at this. Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. 
She's the right one for me. Now, as parents know that, you know, God does not want his people to intermarry with enemy nations that worship false gods. God wants Samson to marry someone who shares his beliefs in God. And so this is not about racial differences. This is about spiritual differences. And Samson's parents give him wise advice, but Samson ignores it, dismisses it, which shows pride and arrogance. Pride says, you don't need advice from other people. You don't need to ask for advice or listen to advice from other people. People might think you're weak if they see you asking for advice, but ignoring advice can lead us to a great fall. I wonder how many decisions you and I have made and we didn't consult anyone. We just, we just did it like Samson and the results have been hard to live with. Scripture says plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. All of us have decisions to make in our lives. Every uh, season of life right now, probably 99% of us have some decisions to make. And I wonder how many of us are making those decisions alone. But that verse says that we need many advisors. I'll tell you what, I need, I need many advisors in my life and in my role. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful um, that every Wednesday I get together with a team, a teaching team, and I send them a copy of the message I'm working on for that weekend ahead of time so they can read it. And, and they bring ideas and feedback and, and advice to the uh, meeting and help me avoid mistakes. And I always walk away from that meeting with ideas and advice that helps me prepare better for the, the, the weekend. I need many advisors. We all need many advisors. And this is why I think one of the reasons why I think small groups are just so important in a church and so valuable in our, in our lives. Groups like Alpha, Rooted, Life Groups, CR Groups, Care Groups, because it puts you in a room with like-minded people who want you to win, and they will give you wise advice. Sometimes I can, I can get defensive and self-reliant, and something that has helped me is to take the initiative and ask Ask more people for advice and counsel and, and, and feedback. Here's a great question. Great question. Ask your spouse or, or fiance, maybe on a date night, or you, ask, you could ask a, a coworker. As a parent, you could ask one of your kids this question. Ask them, what can I do better for you? Try it sometime. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy uh, question, but if we lower our defenses, I mean, it can lead to some great conversations and, and feedback on things that we can do better for one another, and it can help us to uh, overcome pride. Here's another small step of pride. We make small compromises. Samson uh, decides to marry uh, that woman from Timnah, and one day, Scripture says, he takes a shortcut through a vineyard in Timnah. Doesn't sound like a big deal, right? But remember that Nazarite vow, no fruit of the vine, and so he's probably making a, a compromise here. And once again, the shortcut through the vineyard, the scripture isn't just telling us about his geographical direction, it's talking about his spiritual direction. And he's taking some, some compromise, making some compromises, taking steps away from God. And while he's in the vineyard, he comes upon a lion. And get this, the Bible says that he tore that lion apart with his, with his bare hands. And he'll, he'll come back to that lion. Uh, again, and he'll find that lion later on with a honeycomb inside of it, and he will eat some honey from it. 
But remember that Nazarite vow, remember? Not supposed to touch any animal uh, carcasses. And so he's, he, he's, he's made another compromise. But here's something interesting that's noted here uh, about this. It says, but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had uh, done. Think about this. He kills a lion with his bare hands. Doesn't tell his parents. Uh, apparently doesn't, doesn't uh, cover, just, just, just covers it up. I mean, if I uh, killed a lion with, with my bare hands, I'd tell everybody. I mean, I'd tell my parents. I'd tell my family. I would take pictures. I would tell you every, every weekend, every sermon, I would start out and say, hi, welcome to River Glen. My name is Ben. I, I killed a, a lion with my bare hands. One, one time, every, every weekend at the start of, of every uh, message. But Samson doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything about it because he covers it up. Uh, he knows he's compromised. And, and that's how pride shows up in our lives. Not, not just a big fall, okay, but small compromises that, that, that may not seem like a big deal. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's a purchase, one purchase and a little bit of credit card debt. Maybe it's a little bit of flirting in the office or online. Maybe it's one click on a website where we know we shouldn't go, or maybe it's some alcohol or pills or some other substance, and we cover it up because it seems insignificant. And maybe that's why God has some of us here today, to get our attention and to make us aware and to help us get on track before small compromises eventually lead us to pain and destruction in our lives. Here's a third small step of pride. We're easily offended. If you read the story of Samson in, in Judges 13 through 17, one of the things you're going to discover is that he's always offended by, by someone. He's always mad at, at, at someone, and he vows to take re revenge, and it's connected to his pride. You know anybody like that? You know, you're, you walk on eggshells around them, and they're just easily offended, you know, they're ticked off about this. You know, they're angry about that. If you suggest even the smallest change, they get defensive. Some of you are listening to me right now, and you're going, I don't do that. You know, you don't even know me standing up there talking, talking like that. Okay, relax. It's okay. At the end of chapter 14, Samson makes a, a bet, a wager, with 30 of his groomsmen in his wedding party. Just a silly bet. And he loses the bet. And he's so offended. He's such a sore loser that, get, get this, he doesn't show up for his own wedding. And he vows revenge. And here's what Samson does. He goes out and he catches 300 foxes. And he ties them together by their tails, which I'm, I would imagine is a lot harder than it, than it sounds. And then he ties a torch in their tails and he lets them loose in the Philistine fields. And they destroy the Philistine crops, knocking out their, the foundation of their economy with this act of re revenge. Because Samson is all about himself. He's easily offended. Pride, that's how pride is. pride is. Pride takes everything personally and is vengeful. I, I never realized this uh, until I heard another pastor talk about this. But think about this. Jesus never got offended. I mean, think about this. I mean, people would, people would oppose Jesus and say that he said things he didn't say. They would say that he did things that he didn't do. And half the time, Jesus never even responded. He just let it go. He didn't worry about it. I wonder if it's because Jesus knew who he was and he had nothing to prove. That's freedom, isn't it? 
when you know who you are in Jesus and you got nothing to prove, it frees you from pride and getting easily offended. How about you? When, when somebody says something to you do, you, do you take it the wrong way? Do you get defensive when somebody tries to say something? Not only that, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you hold on to offenses for a year, two years, three years because you're easily offended and other people, they may not even, they may not even know that you're uh, offended, but you're just holding this against them. That's pride. And you need to humble yourself. Scripture says that we extend the same grace and forgiveness to others that God has extended to us. At the end of chapter 15, Samson, he's now led Israel for, for 20 years. But it seems like not much has changed for Samson. Here's, here's one more s- small step of pride. We, we underestimate our weaknesses. Chapter 16 begins this way. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he, where he saw a prostitute. And um, uh, 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 when he went to Gaza, the word went in the, in the, in the Hebrew can be translated uh, walk. And so uh, some people have calculated this, that he, that he walked about 45 miles. I mean, that's quite a walk. That's, that would take, somebody calculated 90,000 steps. That'd be about the same as me walking all the way to Kenosha. And, and this is in Philistine uh, territory. Gaza is the headquarters of the Philistine nation. This is a dangerous place for Samson to go. Why would somebody walk that far to go somewhere they shouldn't be? Well, it says he went to see a, a Philistine uh, woman. Samson had a weakness for women. Which you kind of wonder what was going through his head, you know, while he took those 90,000 steps. Probably the same thing that goes through our head, our minds when we take steps, small steps, away from God. I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough. I can handle it, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to touch. I'm just going to look. I'm going to uh, do some research on Philistine women. You know, it's going to help me be a better leader, right? 90,000 steps, which means 90,000 opportunities to say, what, what am I doing? Where am I going to turn around? But Samson doesn't do that. And this is a big lesson here for all of us because we don't just fall in a moment. It's always small steps that lead to destruction. We underestimate our weaknesses. Do you know the specific areas in in your life where you're vulnerable, where you especially need to pay attention? Do you find yourself maybe 20 years later like Samson, still struggling with the same emotions, still struggling with the same temptations? Maybe, Maybe it's time to... Humbly ask for some help. Maybe it's time to get some counseling. Maybe it's time to set some some personal boundaries to protect yourself, and it'll loosen the grip of pride in your life. But Samson just continues in the wrong direction. He's fallen to a Philistine prostitute. You'd think he would learn his lesson. But then there's a third Philistine woman uh, named Delilah. And this is the part of the story that maybe uh, some of you are more familiar with. This, the Philistines come to Delilah. This is uh, Samson's new girlfriend. And they say, hey, Delilah, we'll give you 1,100 shekels of silver, which equals about $15 million, if you'll find out the secret to Samson's strength. And so Delilah begins to manipulate Samson and coerce him. And verse 15, she said to him, um, how can, Samson, how can you say I love you? when you won't confide in me. And then in the next verse, with such nagging, uh, Delilah prodded him day after day until he was sick 
to death of it. And so here's a guy uh, that was strong enough to catch 400, or excuse me, 300 foxes and tie their tails together, but he was no match for the nagging of this woman. It, it's like his physical strength made him overestimate his strength in other areas. And you know, you would think somebody that could catch 300 foxes would have no problem standing up to Delilah and dealing with her, but Samson Samson doesn't, and he tells her the secret of his strength to to never uh, get a haircut. And in verse 19, after she manipulates him and cuts his hair while he slept, uh, the Bible says that his strength left him. He loses his supernatural strength. And then this next verse here is maybe the most tragic and telling verse of the entire story. Verse 20, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't know it. He, 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 pride made him so self-reliant, he didn't even know that the Lord had left him. Somewhere along the way, Samson begin, begins to think that all, all these things in his life came from himself instead of from God. Samson ends up in the custody of the Philistines. He's lost his strength. They blind him. They take out his eyes. He ends up in prison. They put him in prison. And then one day the Philistines have what amounts to a public worship service to their false god. And they, they want to bring Samson out to mock him, this man who has caused their nation so much pain and destruction. They want to see him blinded and weak for their entertainment. And so they bring him out. And Samson asks to be stood next to the pillars of the uh, temple, and we see Samson do something that he hasn't done up to this point. He asked God for help. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And he receives strength uh, again, and he grabs two pillars, and he pulls down that entire temple. Samson pulls those two pillars, and the entire stone temple collapses. He he dies in the collapse, but the Bible says he destroyed more of his enemies in that one act than all of his life's work combined. Samson lived a a, a frustrating life in, in many ways, but we find his name later on in the Bible, in the New Testament, in a chapter where great leaders of faith are listed. And Samson's name is found in this chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11. And the reason I think it's there is because he finished so strong for God. Maybe you've taken some steps away from God. Maybe maybe you feel like you've taken too many steps away from God. But but listen, it doesn't matter if if, if you're at step one or if you're at step 89,565. If you will humbly admit your sin, and turn to God. We have a loving Father who will receive you with open arms, and he will forgive you, and he wants to to, to use you to help carry out his mission in this um, world. One of the most important and and beautiful steps that we take to express our our faith and turning to God is is baptism. And I wonder if anybody's ready how to get baptized. Maybe, maybe some of you have been putting this off. Uh, maybe, maybe you've never taken this step and you think you've just 
drifted too far away, taken too many steps away from God. But don't ever believe that lie. We have a God who's waiting for you to turn to him, but you, but, but you have to humble yourself. Sometimes pride keeps people from getting baptized. People will say things like, you know, what will other people think if they see me getting baptized? What will, what will people think? I'll tell you what they'll think. They'll think you're making the best decision of your life. And they're going to cheer for you, and, and we're going to support you and in, encourage um, you. And if you believe that Jesus died for you and, and resurrected back to life, then you're ready to take this step of uh, baptism. We've got a baptism weekend coming up in a few weeks on December 9th and 10th at, at both campuses. We've got everything that you, that you need. If you have any questions, stop at the Next Steps Hub, and, and we'd love to talk with you. Let us know. If, if you're interested, we'd love to include you. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to sing a song. And during the song, we're going to show some footage of recent baptisms so that you can see what a baptism looks like and so that we can also just celebrate those who have put their trust in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this story of, of Samson. And I know looking at my own life that many times I've taken steps away from you. And I would imagine many of us can relate to Samson. God, I pray that you would use this, this weekend to help us to see any pride in our lives. Maybe, maybe we ignore advice or we make small compromises or, or we get easily offended or under, underestimate our weaknesses. God, would you help us to see and, and humbly take steps back to you? And for anybody ready to take the step of, of baptism, I pray that you would help them to have the humility and courage to take this step and turn to you and, and realize that, that you want to do a new thing in their life and knowing that you will embrace them and, and we will support and, and cheer for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.